Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest and greatest and newest episode of Drive Through HR. I am your host, Robin Schooling, and we're looking forward to a really super conversation today with someone that um, I first met online years ago and uh, have uh, stayed in touch with for, for quite a while. And let me welcome our guest today, Tim Collins. Hey, Tim. Good morning, Robin. Good morning. Welcome to Drive Through HR. Grateful to be invited. We're, we're having coffee and donuts and whatever else we can pick up at the drive through <laughs> today. So good. So um, let's kick off our episode. And uh, for our listeners who are not familiar with you, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What uh, what you do, where you hang, what you what you're all about? Sure. Well, uh, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, um, where I've been for five years, and I am semi-retired, which means I have failed at retirement three different times. <laughs> and uh, I spent most of my career in, as a human resource executive at Procter & Gamble and at IBM. My husband, Tom, and I live uh, here. We love it here with our dog, Bandit, the Havanese, which is the <laughs> national dog of Cuba. So he's a, he's a great companion and we have a great life here. If you ever want to come visit, it's uh, no Asheville's known as Paris of the South and it's uh, it's a beautiful place. So come hang out if you want. It, you know, it's one of those places in the country um, where I have yet to be and want to get to. So. Well, it's uh, particularly popular these days because Asheville has become a home for climate refugees, Robin, not that Louisiana creates refugees, but uh, it's a great place if you're looking for not so hot, not so humid, not so wet, yeah. um, <laughs> blue sky, misty clouds, um, cool mornings. It's uh, good for all of those things. I like temperate. I like temperate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Qualifies. Yep, yep. So um, obviously, since our show is themed around HR, we're very interested in hearing from you about about HR, the profession, your career, what you've sure. learned, what you see on the horizon, oh, all those things. Um, so let's, you know, let's let's start kind of high level, I guess, and talk about you know, in a general sense, the profession of HR. Um, what have you seen over the years? What What's changed for the better, perhaps? Over there the are things that are better. Uh, it's such a great question. Um, uh, the one thing that immediately comes to mind is uh, I had such a great introduction to the profession at, at Procter & Gamble, where my mm. first assignment was working in manufacturing. And I learned um, about what P&G calls high commitment work systems, mm. which essentially is about um, people performing at their peak, getting the most productivity uh, output, uh, not by cracking the whip, but by treating yeah. people like human beings. So in, the, in a manufacturing plant, people believed that line workers are the ones who have the most knowledge, therefore they should be in charge. Mm. And there were team leaders, of course, who were really primarily coaches to help them achieve their best. 
and mm. to be their best. And I looked at that and said, wow, that's not like any manufacturing plant I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what the output from that is that PNG was, and I think remains the, the high quality, low cost provider of consumer products in the United States and even in the world. Hmm. So. It's a, that you know, great, it's that was a, a great introduction to what HR can be and can do. Exactly. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, a commitment mindset as opposed to a compliance mindset. High and, commitment work systems. Yes. Yeah. There's actually been yeah. quite a bit of writing on HWS. Yeah. Just do a, a search and you'll find a bunch of articles in Harvard Business Review and elsewhere. Hmm. That doesn't mean that P&G did HR great everywhere. They did not. As I learned later. <laughs> what um, what are some other, I guess, kind of huge changes? And, and you and I can pontificate on this uh, for a while, I think. But over well, the years, that having been raised Roman Catholic, I pontificate really well. <laughs> um, the, a couple of things. One, um, uh, I I have seen. Uh, in, in my next role at IBM, I saw HR becoming the central key player in achieving a business outcome, which I never thought I would see, mm. which resulted in me having the toughest, most ridiculously challenging job, but also the most rewarding at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was when I worked in mergers and acquisitions and divestitures at IBM and HR in, in M&A deals really is that what, what companies are buying or selling is talent. Yeah. If you treat talent well and you engage talent in the transaction and the reason behind it, then it's going to work well. Yeah. And if you don't, it's going to blow up as it so often does. And so therefore, HR, in my role, negotiating a transaction was the number one most important function at the table. Mm. And people really listened to what we said. It meant that there was a lot of pressure. For example, I, I worked on a number of divestitures where IBM was selling a unit to another company. The one that comes to mind is a French company. Hmm. And the CFO of IBM said, well, we're going to close this transaction by the end of the year, hmm. which means the end of the year holidays, which meant I worked through Thanksgiving and Christmas every <laughs> year for eight years in a row. Ugh. But uh, I, we also signed in those uh, and closed in those years, you know, uh, eight or 10 transactions worth about $6 billion. Mm, mm, mm. And it got done because HR was at the table. Yep. And made it happen and drove it. And I hate this expression, drove it across the finish line. <laughs> it's drive through HR, right? So maybe that, maybe it fits. <laughs> what, what, did, what did you experience, you know, in that time with mergers and acquisitions? Um, what were sort of the top, you know, couple of things that, that you focused on to merge the, to use the cliche, uh, you know, merge the cultures, what, you know, mm. kind of what were the um, yeah. the key areas that you focused on in, in terms of bringing those cultures in alignment? Yeah, great question. So first, um, um, I was the HR lead in, in those 
transactions, but there was there was always a HR culture focused person also engaged, mm. Mm. whose job was to focus solely on that aspect of the deal, yeah. uh, both during due diligence in advance uh, as the transaction proceeded. Is it going to sign or not? And then is it going to close or not? That person was just as busy as I was in making the HR aspects of the deal, like comparable compensation and benefits, yep. uh, works councils, uh, labor union negotiations. That was all mm-hmm. stuff that I had to do. But the my counterpart was deeply involved as well, and uh, just as deeply as I was in making sure that the people aspects were heard and understood yeah. and acted upon. As far as my part of the transaction, the one, the one deal that is most memorable is uh, a French company was buying uh, a, a very large asset from IBM worth, I don't know, eight or $900 million. Mm. And one of the key aspects of any deal that IBM insists be included in the contract is that the buyer, uh, in this case, has to provide a comp and benefit package that is comparable in the aggregate to what IBM offered previously, because we Mm. want our people to be taken care of and be at least as well off as they were uh, in the future as they have in the past. So this this French company uh, was, had been proposing for months, a sales recognition program, a bonus program that we concluded was not comparable. So I, we refused to sign off, which meant the deal wow. got de- delayed, wow. delayed. And at one point, I'll never forget it. I got a phone call from the corporate development person saying, okay, God damn it, would you sign off already? And I <laughs> said, no, I will not. Wow. Wow. See, that's backing up the that's just not lip service to hr and the people are important in this yeah and my boss called me and said hey are you okay and i said i'm fine and i said i'm feeling the pressure lisa yeah well you stand your ground (laughs) oh that's wild you know and that's those are some those are such interesting um you know examples of the importance of HR and the value of HR and kind of really how far we've come um, and, 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 and what we can do collectively. Um, Just to close the loop on that that little story, Robin. Yeah. uh, Yeah. What happened was the French company caved, Mm. gave, uh, gave on everything that we insisted Mm. on and it signed about six hours later. Mm. And then I slept for about a week. Yes. Yes. (laughs) well-deserved rest and I I of course can't say the name but uh, uh, it's a great and the business has been very successful it's made them boatloads of money it's more more to their business operations so Hmm. it's worked out really well I love it I love it Um, so with those successes sometimes come comes a little bit of perhaps self-reflection for the Mm. for the profession Um, What are what are some areas that you see where HR collectively uh, could use some improvement? Well, that's a really long list. (laughs) 
Yeah, because there there are a lot of positives as I've expressed already yeah. based on great questions, but there the the list of uh, of what needs to be, be done better is much much longer. And I would start with um, you know HR today crows about being business partners, and that's a pile of horseshit. <laughs> Almost every company that I have, uh, it, it may happen on, on, on an exceptional case that that truly does happen. And there, uh -huh. there, there are some great examples that you already know about. Yeah. But uh, too often, they, HR calls themselves a business partner and they're really corporate shills. They're, they're bureaucrats. Yeah. They don't represent humans or resources. They represent the corporation, the LLC, yeah. the INC. Yeah. Um, it's just a lie to call the function HR. It should be corporate bureaucrats or HR shills. Uh, and, uh, the other expression that I love is personnel pushing paper. Yeah. E to the power of three, uh, yeah. which, which when I first joined HR in the 1980s was absolutely the only role that HR did. Mm-hmm. And uh, people think, oh, yeah, we've said that. I'm sorry. No, you haven't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Employee <laughs> self-service and manager self-service is a ton better. And it gives people control of their data. Yeah. And you get a better result uh, as, uh, in the process. But it, we're not done with that. Yeah. It still we've, exists. We've gone from actual literal pieces of paper to, um, you know, virtual paper, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. And stamping yeah. and. I mean, for example. Signing. I have to ask permission to go on vacation. What the hell? That's yeah. so stupid. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Sorry about the dog. Oh, hey. I like that. It's real life, you know. I've got mine uh, 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 sequestered. Get downstairs. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because we do live shows. So we, um, we oh. enjoy... Uh, working from home and living, uh, living at home. He's protecting me. He's That's protecting right. me. That's what's happening. That's right. All right. Um, you, do you want anything else on that? I'm happy to. Yeah. What, you know, what are, what are some other areas where you see HR collectively as a profession could, yeah. have, could get well, better? At? Um, as you know, Robin, I've recently come across a way to describe um, the future of HR. Uh -huh. One of my uh -huh. favorite bands in life is the OJs, or as I call them, the mighty OJs, who sang in the 1970s. For those of you who have never heard of them, just Google <laughs> O apostrophe J-A-Y-S. And uh, there's a number of songs that they uh, have in their repertoire that uh, recently have reminded me of the, of mm -hmm. the HR journey. And one that I'll bring up is, uh, let's see, there's so many. Uh, backstabbers and never gonna say goodbye. Yep. So backstabbers because um, the culture that uh, HR has enabled is backstabbing, mm -hmm. brown nosing, backstabbing, talking mm -hmm. about people's backs. And then never gonna say goodbye relates to HR managing reductions in force and yeah. or as IBM called it, uh, uh, resource something. I can't remember. Yeah. Stands for, but that that to me is just gross and disgusting and mm -hmm. embarrassing, and uh, it makes me embarrassed to have a sherm uh, behind my name. Yeah, I um, uh, and we could go off on a whole tangent on that. I um, I I I, I dropped it off of. Well, I, I should drop mine too. 
Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm GPHR, and I'm really proud of getting that. that yeah. Product. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a hard test. Yeah. Although I'll tell you, having done it for 20 years, I barely read the book and I took it and I passed uh, really yeah. well. I still, I still found it difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, you know, that, that kind of gets- I have one more that I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah, another, please another do. Another OJ song that makes me, uh, makes me smile and maybe even laugh. Uh, used to be My Girl, mm, mm -hmm. uh, which is a great song. And I picked that one because uh, HR in the 1960s, 70s to the present is dominated by women, by females, yes. which yes. to me is a great thing for, for working relationships because I prefer by far working with women to obnoxious, arrogant men. But <laughs> used to be my girl says, oh, well, that girl worked in my organization. And now that girl mm -hmm. is in yours because you, you're better at HR. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of fondly missing that that girl who used to work for me and now works for you. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. where that comes from. Mm -hmm. I'm a little irreverent, as you, as you already know. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I had um, uh, in my younger days, so it's it's uh, the moniker is not necessarily used anymore. But um, I I I've worked at several organizations where uh, I was referred to as the HR girl. Oh, there you go. So, or at least you weren't that blue haired girl. That's true. That's true. But and 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 one the. And it was usually, I, I shouldn't say, it was not used, um, you know, in a, a negative connotation. It was a positive thing. Right. It was a descriptor. And, and I can yeah. call once, uh, one specific time, and I, I, we had an employee, um, I was working in manufacturing at the time, and he had left the manufacturing plant and went, and he was working at, we had a brand new Whole Foods in town. And he was working at the Whole Foods. And I went in at the cheese counter. And um, there he was. And and I walked in and he's behind the cheese counter, you know, with several other people. And he's all happy and loving it because Whole Foods was new in town and everybody was just on the bandwagon. And he was so excited to see me. And he called me over and he introduced me to his three, four fellow, you know, folks behind the cheese counter and said, this is Robin. She was she was my HR girl out there at the point. Oh, what a compliment that is. It was. So it was it was actually quite lovely. So yeah. Um, but it, you know, it, it that kind of gets us to, you know, we've talked about the profession and sort of what yeah. kind of collectively we do. What about individual HR practitioners, HR professionals? Mm -hmm. What what do you think are the things that, you know, those of us who work in HR as human beings, right, should be yeah. uh, paying attention to the, the things that yeah. are out there in the in the big wide world. Yeah, uh, in the world or personal in, attributes. And you know, I I think it's you know it's kind of a, a two part question, right? You know, what should we be paying attention to, and then how do we kind of yeah. put that into practice? Okay, pay attention to pay attention to read, read, read. Read yeah. about business, know about what's what's succeeding, what's failing, and try to understand why. Get to the yeah. bottom. Of yeah. Because if you're going to be a business partner, that means you need to know the business. There's just yeah. no substitute for knowing 
How does corp this corporation make money? How does this nonprofit stay in business? Yeah. What is it about their mission, their purpose that allows them to succeed? And therefore, what can I do to help maximize mm -hmm. the, uh, those things that enable them to succeed? Mm -hmm. So curiosity, yeah. um, uh, paying attention, uh, focused on out outcomes and success and why uh, an organization is successful or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you find a, a business or a nonprofit that's not successful, run away. Yeah. Just go somewhere else. Yeah. Don't wait. Because yeah. that's not a place for you or the organization or the people to thrive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there aren't turnarounds. There are, but right. by and large, when you when you see failure, it's uh, it starts uh, with culture. Yeah, and I, you know, I think another um, it, it it's yeah, it's reading, it's analyzing, it's un developing an understanding of the greater world, and it's beyond yeah. it's beyond it's beyond just the the business part of it too, because I think it's yeah. what do I as a human <clears throat> need to pay attention to to yeah. understand the the external factors that are impacting yeah. the business and are impacting my work. And so it's um, you know, paying attention to, you know, the economy, it's paying attention to politics. Yeah. It's paying attention to culture. Another way, Robin, that what's I would happening add, in the culture, you know, greater culture. Another way that I would add on how to describe the kind of place where you want to hang out is is the place purpose driven? Yeah. If they're purpose driven, go there. Yeah. Meaning uh, the purpose makes sense to you. Yeah. It's like I, si I sign up for that purpose. Yes. So, a nonprofit that says our purpose is to change the world. Go there. Yeah. If a not a for-profit company says our business is to make people's lives better, go there. Yeah. Yeah. I I I've over the course of my career, and I've worked in a variety of industries. Um, and the two greatest organizations and the and the two most fulfilling jobs I ever had um, leading HR teams, both were nonprofits mm. um, because they both were, um, everything was mission driven mm. um, and nonprofits really get that, it, you know, corporate, you know, the corporate world, oh yeah, yeah, we have mission, vision, values. And, and some are certainly accurate and and thoughtful and and yeah. in alignment but nonprofits in both of my experiences it, it were so driven by the values so driven by the mission mm -hmm. that when we did our annual at both of them when we did our annual um strategic planning we literally sat um and before we made any decision of okay we're going to put this on the plan for next year whatever how does this align with, you know, these yeah. six values that we have? How does this fall into alignment with this mission that in one case had been established a hundred years prior um, and was still kind of focused on the same thing. 
And it was just, it was so, it was energizing. It was rewarding and it allowed us to do great work. Uh, Indeed. You know, because this is the best, the best kind yeah. of situation. I have one for one for-profit example of uh, a company that was very purpose-driven and uh, and that's PNG that I've already mentioned. Yeah. Way back when in the in the 60s, 70s, the CEO, then CEO of PNG, John Smale, said our purpose, he said it very bluntly, and I can't remember the exact words, but essentially our purpose is to listen to customers mm. or consumers, uh, he would mm. say. And what that meant to him was in his drive home to his mansion in the most beautiful home in Cincinnati, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. He listened to tapes, 1-800 tapes of consumers calling to complain. Wow. About P&G products. Every day. Wow. Every day. So he learned mothers hated Pampers because they leaked. <laughs> <laughs> that shit <Yeah>. happens. <laughs> and, and what happened was that became viral in the best sense of the word. Everybody then got tapes and listened to them in their car, in their commute, on their vacation, during meeting breaks. And and people therefore became single-mindedly focused on making consumers' lives better. Yes. Yes. There's there's a great uh, blog post about that written by a former boss of mine at P&G named Steve Bowler, B-O-E-H-L-E-R. Wonderful guy. Uh, he ended up not staying at PNG terribly long, but he certainly learned. And uh, he wrote this beautiful message about John mm. Smale and that one change, that one small change that he made and the impact it had on culture. Yeah. Huge. Well, and that helps, you know, that helps draw the line of sight from every employee. Yeah. Right to what the the business is about. That's right. And what followed was sales and revenue and profit and manufacturing expansion. And Pampers, I think, is now I I think it's the biggest brand in the world. Mm. It's certainly in the top five. Mm -hmm. Uh, Biggest, best, uh, highest revenue, highest profit Mm. uh, products in the world. And by the way, uh, moms and dads, it's also not bad for the environment either. (laughs) Because um, when you wash a cloth diaper, think of all the energy you're spending. Think of all the effluent going into into, um, sewage systems. Think of uh, the washing, the detergent, the heat, and a, a single pampers diaper with absorbent gelling materials that traps all of that stuff it has far less uh, of a um, uh, environmental foot impact in footprint than uh, than a cloth diaper it's not even close yeah it hasn't been close for a long time but now it's just gone it's because they're they're smaller you know the diapers are smaller and there's there are the ingredients in there are not toxic most most of most of them degrade yeah yeah, I don't know that we've ever talked goes, about. Robin, I was just on my, I was just on my soapbox, <laughs> and the soapbox comes from salesmen because they were all men back in the day, standing on yeah. a box of ivory soap, which was made by P and G. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That, what a good what a good visual image that is too when you think about that um well we're getting uh getting close to wrapping up here and i i i, I, I want to really leave with one question we kind of danced around it and and then we got a little sidetracked but it's uh, in addition to the you know what should hr professionals pay attention to what are the kind of personal attributes okay um, that that you would say make um make an hr practitioner hr professional successful what you know how can how can folks develop themselves in their career okay great question and i have uh, seven uh, items to call out and i because mm. i was very prepared for this question <laughs> um first of all love change second mm -hmm. be humble third be vulnerable be worthy of trust be optimistic, be dedicated, be committed to people and mm. to purpose. Mm -hmm. um, those are my top mm. six or seven things. I love those. Every one of them. Yeah. I and mean, I miss curious, I, but I already mentioned that anyways. Yep. yep. I, well, and I think that goes with the love change piece as well, right? Yeah. The job of, of management is change. The job yeah every manager, but particularly HR, because pe people don't, too many people, lots and lots of people hate change. Yeah. Uh, and they, they also hate conflicts. And, yeah. you know, my dad always said, if you get it right 51 times out of 100, you're ahead. Mm -hmm. And when you don't, you admit it. And you don't do so privately, you do so publicly, because other people can learn from your example. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Oh, well, what a great way to, to sort of put a punctuation mark on that conversation. So, Tim Collins, thank you so much for joining Drive Through Robin, today. Uh, I, I have so enjoyed uh, being connected with you for, God, what is it, 8, 10, 12 years? Oh, uh, yeah. And then to, uh, to finally meet virtually. I uh, know. Via Zoom and, uh, and now this. And I'm really honored to be invited. It is wonderful. So, um, let our audience know how they can connect with you. What's the, what's the best venue for them? Okay. To so the best venue is uh, certainly LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very active. I'm an active networker. In fact, uh, uh, I have an expression that I learned from uh, a, a, a dear friend back at my alma mater, which is networking or not working. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you can't know everything and uh, the power the knowledge uh, is not in an individual, it's in the room, the people in the room. So yes. make the room big. Yes. Not, and not by, you know, inviting everyone and their brother, invite people who, with whom you have a connection. And it's when you invite them to connect, tell them why mm -hmm. you're asking them to connect. Don't, don't send these generic, uh, you know, system generated, Let's connect. Come on, take yeah. take two seconds and, and explain why you think there could be value, yep. both for that person and for you. It's not yeah. should, don't be selfish. Be be available uh, and make yourself uh, free. Um, in my instant message, uh, uh, you know, inside the the corporate network, I, my expression was always, "How can I help?" Mm -hmm. I want to be of assistance. So LinkedIn for sure. I'm also on Twitter at Collins TW, I think is my Twitter ID. And I am, um, I'm working on an outline for a book 
or maybe a series of books, which the working title of which is Living an Authentic Life. And uh, I have a co-author, a a wonderful guy, British guy named Paul McCarthy, who Mm -hmm. is is publishing a book in a couple of weeks called Fired for Leadership. Mm -hmm. He was literally fired uh, as an HR professional from, I think, five or six different firms because he wanted to be an authentic leader Mm. and his bosses didn't like the idea. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 I say boo to that because I'm all about being ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So, Same here, dear. Same here. Yeah. Well, again, thank you. Thanks to all of our listeners and everyone go and connect with Tim. Bye, everybody.